This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Good morning and welcome to The Morning Fix. I'm Julie Dye and I'm here with my co-host, Amy Shepard. The Morning Fix is a podcast series brought to you by the 510K Cafe. We interview medical technology leaders to discuss trends, innovations, and the future of marketing and communications in the medtech industry. Today, we're speaking with Kim Rodriguez. Kim is the former president, CEO, and co-founder of Assessa Health, a medical device company that developed a minimally invasive treatment option for women with uterine fibroids. In August of 2020, Assessa Health was purchased by Hologic for $80 million. We're thrilled to have Kim here to talk about her experiences in the medical device world. Welcome, Kim. Great. Well, welcome, Kim. So great to have you on the program today. Thanks, Amy. Great to, great to be with you. So Julie and I often like to open our interviews learning about our guests' backgrounds and how they got to where they are today. Talk about your career path and what led you to this place and time. Perfect. Well, again, uh, Amy and Julie, thanks for having me today. As you guys know, I, I think I've I've kind of talked about this in the past, but you know, I I was originally planning to go to med school or become a PA. You know, I I loved medicine and ended up working in a hospital early in my career, and and that's when I ran across a medical device sales rep in the cardiac cath lab, and you know they hired me away into med tech, and the rest is history. I was completely hooked. I, you know, I fell in love with the business side of healthcare, and specifically just the vast advancements and and innovations that have been available. And, you know, the last I've, I've been in med tech now 20 years, and it's just been so exciting to be able to be part of firsts and launching new therapies and changing standards of cares. And, you know, I've, I've worked for big companies such as, you know, J&J, Stryker, Guidant, mid-sized companies like Spectronetics, small ones. Um, for example, I was actually one of the first 20 people into EV3 before it became Covidian, which then was acquired by Medtronic. I've also led teams to acquire technologies, uh, most notably Spectronetics. We acquired a couple balloons totaling, I think the total was nearly 300 million before Spectronetics was acquired. And, you know, most of the companies I've worked with have had an exit. So, you know, Microvene into EV3, Guidant to Abbott, Concentric to Stryker, Blockade to Bolt, and most recently Assessa to Hologic. And you know, the vast majority of my background is commercial launching, you know, new therapies globally leading, you know, to business level unit responsibility and most recently co-founding and uh, CEO of Assessa Health. Yes, that's a that's a great background. And I, I, obviously, you and I have crossed paths in our backgrounds and while we were both at Stryker. And, you know, it was, I think the great thing about med devices there are the small startups and then of course the you know the large established organizations talk about since you've had both of those experiences were they markedly different were there were there some similarities any any takeaways from those experiences since you've been on both sides 
Sure. I, I like to talk about the large company experience as the the pedigree, the training ground, the process that equips you for startup. You know, startup is is you know, it's scrappy, right? You you're doing a lot with very little, you're wearing a lot of hats, but having an eye for the future and knowing what good process, good infrastructure, you know, looks like so that you can set the startup up for success, I think is important. So again, I think the big companies have a ton to offer in terms of preparing you to be successful in a startup environment. So that actually brings us to Assessa, your most recent startup. There's a really unique turnaround story with that company. And so we'd love to hear a little bit more about Assessa, you know, what the what the company's, you know, focus area was and then how Assessa came to be in less than 3 years from where you found it to to an exit to Hologic. Sure. So Assessa, you know, as you know, was a venture-backed women's health medical device company with a minimally invasive solution to help women with uterine fibroids. And uh, just a little bit on uterine fibroids for the audience that may not know, you know, they're benign growths in a woman's uterus that can be numerous and from the size of a small blueberry to a grapefruit. And the standard of care today is major surgery. So a hysterectomy where you cut the uterus out or a myomectomy where they cut the fibroids out. And Assessa is an outpatient procedure using radiofrequency ablation, ultrasound, GPS guidance, and requires no cutting and suturing into the uterus, allowing you know the, the uterus to maintain intact. And post-procedure, you know, most of our women were going back you know, getting back to normal in three to five days versus, you know, four to six weeks with the current standard of care. So it was a great solution for a really big problem affecting a lot of women. And, you know, we started the company a little over three and a half years ago or, or a little over three years ago after it was acquired. And, you know, the there was an original company that tried to launch the procedure and that original company struggled. You know, they raised a lot of money, not enough progress with the money spent. And so we started Assessa Health with our investors and bought the assets of the original company called Halt out of bankruptcy. And, you know, we did this with one mission in mind. And we did that because we were passionate about changing the standard of care for women suffering from uterine fibroids. And I'm super proud of the outstanding team at Assessa, grateful for the committed investors, our partnership with physicians and their women patients. In the little over three years, the team achieved FDA clearance on the next-gen technology. They achieved a dedicated you know, reimbursement infrastructure, 90 publications, 4,000 cases, successfully commercialized. One of the most innovative gynecologic products in the industry that the industry has seen in decades and in August of 2020, you know, the company was was acquired by by Hologic and this was in the middle of a pandemic which, you know, really speaks volumes about the procedure, the importance of it. It validates, you know, the team's hard work and and the strong momentum and potential to solve an important problem in women's health. Many of our listeners Kim are marketers in the medical device field. And we'd love to hear a little bit more about what role marketing played in Assessa's success. I think that's a great question. And having worked with both, you know, you, Julie, and Amy on marketing, it's near and dear to my heart. 
and, and thank you both for all of your support of Assessa along the way. Marketing is extremely important. And I would say that on one hand, but also say that timing is critical in terms of the money spent, right? You can waste a lot of money if you do it too early, if you don't do your homework on how to best deploy the capital and, you know, taking into account variables such as full-time folks, consultants, agencies, advertising, you know, we didn't start spending significant marketing dollars until we were near FDA approval of the product that we launched in 2018-19. And, you know, leading up to that, we did a lot of research. We worked hard to understand, you know, how to best deploy the resources for the biggest bang for our buck. And that included experimenting and piloting a lot along the way so that once we were ready to actually spend the money, we knew what worked, what didn't work. We knew what, what metrics we needed to measure our success, what to lever. And I think that served us well in pilot phase, so to speak, with, with marketing. Uh, you know, we, when we did start spending, we rebranded. So, you know, Assessa Health was branded when we started the company, of course. But then once we were launching, we felt like there was an opportunity to speak differently and mostly to patients, right? We focused a lot of our attention on direct-to-consumer, which by the way is not something all med tech companies do. And we did this because we were passionate about educating, you know, driving awareness, empowering women so that they would understand their options, they would understand the alternatives, then maybe what they were offered by you know, by their surgeons or by their doctors, which, which might've been major surgery. So we spent a lot of time on that and went from zero on social media to having, I, I believe a pretty respectable following with, you know, being a startup company. I think the brand itself became an important brand in the fibroid space. The Assessa procedure is very well known today as an alternative to hysterectomy and myomectomy. So I think with the support of great marketing folks and agencies and our awesome team, I think the team did a really good job with it. So you brought up the whole piece about marketing directly to patients. And one of the things that struck me about the Assessa story, you know, when I did some work with you is the passionate women who were advocates for the brand and for the procedure. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about sort of that patient advocacy work that you did. You did a lot of work with organizations like the White Dress Project and others. And so I just love to hear a little bit more about that. Sure. That that was critical. I think the patients became passionate because they saw the results. They saw a difference in terms of what maybe they themselves and what their friends and family had been offered. Uh, they, they definitely felt the the difference between what, what they had been offered or what they had received or what others had received in terms of options. And Assessa was a true, unique alternative for them. And so I think because of that, it was easy for them to want to get involved. And as you know, with any major movement, it takes an army. And so, you know, partnering with the White Dress Project was an important initiative for us. I mean, you know, I personally became very good friends with the leader of the White Dress Project, Tanika, around the time we founded Assessa and we built a relationship over the years. And, you know, and she was a fibroid sufferer. So she understood the journey and the challenge and the frustration that women felt. And she also had friends who had had the Assessa procedure and saw the difference that it made for them. And so it was easy for her to want to get involved and want to drive that forward. I mean, Tanika is 
directly responsible. The White Dress Project is directly responsible for Fibroid Awareness Month, which is in July, and directly responsible. You know, we partnered and worked together on Kamala Harris's bill that was put forth last year in 2020 to get the NIH to put forward a bill for $20 million to be invested in research. And we did a lot of other things. And that was a really important part of our work together, less about marketing and more about having the right people around the table to advance a change in a standard of care that patients were looking for, uh, for their condition. That's great, Kim. We wanted to talk a bit more about fundraising because it's a fascinating topic to many, especially here in Austin. How difficult was it to raise money and ultimately find a buyer for Assessa? And any tips you could offer aspiring medtech startups looking for funding? Sure. So it was difficult. It was incredibly difficult, especially in the beginning when the history of the the procedure, which is in the previous company, was a bit of a sordid had a bit of a sordid past. A lot of money raised, not not spent well. Some good, some not so good, and and so we had to overcome the history, and we had to sell the future. We had to sell the promise of what a new team would bring to bear with a improved technology, with focus on commercial and patients and all the right things. And so it was difficult. We had a lot of no's and a lot of rejection. And and even at the time, women's health just wasn't a hot place to invest. I mean, there was a bit of a black cloud over women's health with Morselator and Esher and Mesh and there was just a lot of challenges of women, women's health. And so, you know, we, I felt incredibly blessed to find a syndicate of investors that wanted to take a chance on Assessa. And, and I'm forever grateful for them. And, and I, and I know our team is, and I know the women are for saving, helping us save the technology out of bankruptcy and helping us launch the company. That said, I think when you're raising money for any technology, you have to kiss a lot of toads to find your prince, right? And so, and that's what I mean, you know, the number, you have to touch a lot of investors to find the ones that are the right ones. And, you know, I think if if I was to give a tip of any kind, and it might be a little cliche, but it's simple, you don't give up, right? And you don't give up when you get a lot of no's, you don't give up too much of your company just because someone says yes. And the key is that you have the right investors around the table and that you're choosy. And that's difficult, especially when it seems like many people are saying no. And it's difficult because the first person that says yes, you know, you as the CEO or founder are like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I, I got the money, right? And but you have to be careful, right? You have to be careful that you don't sign up with the wrong investors who are trying to take too much of the company or that don't have the right mission-driven approach to their portfolio. And and you're going to spend a lot of time with these investors as board members and partners. And it's really important that you pick the right ones. So that would be my advice is don't give up. Uh, don't give up after a lot of no's and don't give up too much of your company and be choosy. In terms of the buyer, you were asking, you know, ultimately, you know, was it difficult or, or how did that come about? It, it really wasn't difficult because, you know, we built relationships with all the strategics when founding the company early on. And it wasn't, you know, to sell the company. I think great companies are bought, not sold. And so it was more about, look, 
here we are, we're starting this company. This is what we're doing. We'd like to keep you guys updated on our progress and our milestones. And there might be an opportunity to partner in the future. There might be, there might be an acquisition, who knows, but we want to know who you are and we want to build a relationship with you. And so, so the Hologic relationship was one of many that was built, you know, three and a half years ago. And so, you know, when they decided they wanted a company like Assessa, then it was a natural conversation to have. Kim, you talked about kissing a lot of frogs before finding the prince. And one of the numbers that I've heard you say before that just amazes me is how many frogs you did have to kiss. And do I remember that it was in the 70s that you pitched 70 some odd times before finding the right group to invest? That's right. Yep. It was about, it was at least 70. Yeah. And I think that's so just an amazing, you know, number. And I've, and I've heard other CEOs locally in town say the same thing that, you know, they pitched hundreds of angels before they finally, you know, found the right group. And so tell me a little bit about how then you ended up in Texas, because I know originally Halt was in California and you were in California. So how did you end up in Texas and Austin? And what, how would you say that positively or, you know, even negatively influenced what happened at the company afterwards, just being in Austin? Sure. So I knew that, uh, so I was actually in Austin before Assessa. So I was living in Austin. I'm from California. That's right. I was in Southern California for many years, almost my entire career, but I happened to be in Austin when I took the original Halt job, which the Halt company was based in California. And what I found with Halt was one of the, you know, we talked about they raised a lot of money, some good, some bad. Some of the bad money was like they had a 12,000 square foot facility, lots of overhead, super inefficient. The cost of goods was out of control. And so part of my work with our investors in founding Assessa and starting Assessa was, was building a capital efficient model so that whatever we raised, by the way, we raised a series A of $30 million, that it would go far. And that was the idea was that, you know, hopefully we didn't have to get to a series B and C. And so part of that was completely outsourcing all design development and manufacturing, which we did, which then made the big manufacturing facility we had obsolete. And so it was easy to then move the company from California to Austin. You know, it's, it's a lot less expensive to have offices here. And the, the biggest benefit was I identified our lead investor was an Austin-based investor, S3 Ventures, and they had a preference for Texas-based companies. So it was an easy conversation with them to say, look, I'm bringing this company to Texas. It's going to be in Austin. It will be in your backyard. And, and that served us really well because S3 Ventures became an extension of my team. And you know whether it's you know strategy sessions or trying to solve big problems, it was really nice to be able to head over to their offices, sit down and brainstorm and work with them on, on different things. And they became really important during the negotiations with Hologic in terms of being part of our team. You know, we, 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 uh, we leaned on their analysts quite a bit for modeling and, and different, different things like that. That's great. It's always fun to hear about morning rituals and what helps people start their day off on the right foot. Kim, thank you so much for your thoughts. You're an inspiration for the current generation of female leaders as well as ones to come. We appreciate you sharing your time today. And thank you everyone for listening. We hope you've been enjoying this series so far. Please be on the lookout for more interviews from medical technology leaders and thank you for tuning into The Morning Fix.